y'all. Welcome back to Crime, Critics, and Chaos. My name is Shivani. And I'm Shaylin. And, and we're, we're your hosts. hosts. Guys, welcome back to our second episode of the week. As you may know, we had an emergency last week and we were not able to upload. And therefore, we're releasing two episodes this week. That's right. So if you have not heard our first episode for this week, we highly recommend that you go ahead and check that out. It's the mysterious case of Donna Baldio, Jay Lewis, and Bunny Terry. After listening, please check us out on our Instagram and Facebook pages and join our discussion group as we would like to hear your thoughts and opinions. And speaking of thoughts and opinions, let's get into the shout outs for the week. Are you ready, Johnny? I am ready. <laughs> our shout outs for this week actually goes to Alex and Haley. Woo! Well, Alex and Haley. <laughs> I grew up with Alex and Haley both in Greenville, Texas. Um, and although we're now living our own adult lives at this point, it makes me so happy to know that they still continue to support me, yes. each other, and others in our community. Yes. They are both strong women who empower other women, and they're both so appreciated for that. So... Um, guys, we love you and thank you so much for the support. And I love seeing how you guys support other people um, all over social media. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. There is nothing better than coming together and to support one another. Um, so thank you so much to Alex and Haley for listening and giving us your support. We love you and we thank you. Thank you. All right, partners in crime, grab your wine as we get into some crime because I have a case for y'all today. Shaylin, are you ready? Girl, I'm always ready. <laughs> Um, so the sources for our cases today, or for our case today, is justiceforNativeWomen.com, TheSun.com, and PRNewsWire.com. So before we get into this case, I wanted to kind of explain what John and Jane Doe's are. For those listeners who don't know much about the true crime world and is probably being forced to listen to us right now <laughs> by someone probably close to them. Um, so John and Jane Doe's are bodies that are found that are unidentified due to lack of DNA or unrecognizable features. Um, so, I mean, techni technically investigators probably do run, you know, the database for missing people. Mm -hmm. But if they're not kind of um, identified or recognized, then they're basically called John and Jane Doe's because we have no names for these specific bodies that are found. Right. So our story starts on January 12th of 1981 in Houston, Texas when a dog wandered into the woods and was later discovered by his owner with a human arm in the dog's mouth. Oh, girl. I was not expecting you to hit me with this so suddenly. I know, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's such a harsh detail, right? Like, right in the beginning of right the story. Right in the beginning. Wow, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what kind of dog, you know, the owner owned. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming if he brought a whole arm out, though, he must have been a pretty big dog. Yeah, definitely. Not a small dog. I don't see that happening. Right. So the owner immediately called 911 and police arrived. They thoroughly searched the wooded area for more possible remains. So they already had the arm, but they're looking to see if they can find more remains to kind of, mm -hmm. you know, put together a body. Right. So was this arm, like, was it skeletonized or did they have a little bit more flesh on it or? Um, they didn't really specify, mm. um, but we will kind of get into how long the arm had been there for. So okay. I guess like, so I can kind of yeah, tell yeah decipher okay. that way. Um, so deep within the woods, the police discovered two human bodies, <gasps> a man and a woman, and both seemed to have been deceased for quite some time. Mm. Upon conducting the autopsy, the medical examiner's report stated that the deaths of the Harris County John Doe's or John and Jane Doe's were homicides that occurred between November and December of 1980. So keep in mind that the body was discovered on January 12th of 1981, and both bodies seem to have been deceased uh, between November and December of 1980. So about wow. just a month or two. Okay, so probably not too skeletonized, but depending on the conditions of, of that the area, weather, right? And, area. and I mean, Houston's not really 
I mean, Texas is huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, it's colder down here in Dallas, but, I mean, Houston's not really that cold as, right. as it is in other areas of Dallas. But this was also back in the 1980s. So, right, so we don't know what kind of a lot of state, Yeah, a lot of stuff has changed when it comes to weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so they were they had been deceased between November and December, and they were found in January. Okay. So Jane Doe died from strangulation, while John Doe was beaten to death. Wow. Both of their bodies were hidden in the woods about 100 yards from, and again, I'm really horrible at kind of like stating addresses, but I'm going to just try my best here, uh, 13500 Wallaceville Road in Baytown, Texas. Okay, I know exactly what Baytown is. Really? Yeah. I frequent that area a lot. Or okay. used to, but I definitely know what Baytown is. Right, okay, so that's where they, their bodies were found about 100 yards away from um, Wallaceville Road in Baytown. I wonder if my aunt knows about this case. Maybe. She lives in Baytown. Maybe. Um, So police went through the missing people's database but was not able to come up with any leads and the case went cold and John and Jane Doe were finally buried and laid to rest right next to each other. Wow. Yeah. Police went through the missing people's database but was not able to come up with any leads and the case went cold and John and Jane Doe were finally buried and laid to rest right next to each other. Hmm. So we don't know, of course, if they were related or if they were like married or anything like that. No, but they did check the database and they didn't. There wasn't anything that kind of caught their attention as far as who they could have been. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we don't know if they if these two bodies had anything in connection with each other. Hmm. It seems like they would be. Well, this is just from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I guess my opinion. It seems like they may have been uh, related. May not like related as far as like family members but like maybe they were like intimate in some way mm-hmm. maybe like in their relationship are you saying that because they were found close to each other so you yeah. just think that they both I'm just getting been... that feeling for right some reason. Yeah. yeah no that makes sense um so fast forward to july 1st of 1982 so keep in mind we found the bodies um in january of 1981 mm-hmm. and now we're kind of fast forwarding to july 1st of 1982 yeah so a whole year later yeah um, or a year and a half later, rather. In the same area where John and Jane Doe were found were the remains of another victim. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay. Third Girl, you victim. You just keep hitting me with stuff. Girl. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is one of those stories that just kind of, like, grabs your attention at every moment. Wow. Okay, so you got uh, two two identified bodies that were found in January of 1980. Mm-hmm. Back forward to a year and a half later, there's another body found. And right. this one is a male. This one is a female. Oh, female. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's a female. Yes. I actually hadn't mentioned that yet, so. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. On there. <laughs> no, you're fine. So, yeah, the victim was said to have been a teenager, according to the medical examiner's report, but was not identified at the time, even after searching the missing person's database. Wow. She was also said to have been sexually assaulted and then strangled. So, wow. three victims, all of three different age ranges. So, the first two victims that were found next to each other they were kind of around the same age yeah. and we'll get into more of that in a little bit it, but the third victim that was found a year and a half later in the same exact area was a teenager this sounds connected right this it has to be the same person connected. but you know what's crazy to me is and again i'm not a killer <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know how you know the minds of killers work but to me i'm like if i dumped two bodies in one area i'm probably not going to go back to that area to dump another body but like i said that's why i said this is most likely connected because only serial killers do stuff like this right i agree so investigators were puzzled they now had three unidentified victims found in the same area around two separate time frames they wondered if the crimes could be related despite the fact that the victims were all of different gender 
age range and circumstances as far as being sexually assaulted. So the teenager was sexually assaulted, but the other two victims didn't have any signs of um, any kind of sexual assault. Right. But that still doesn't debunk the fact that they, you know, these cases are related. Um, so, but I still get the feeling that this this definitely is related for some reason. I'm just getting that feeling. Right. I mean, yeah. like, what are the odds that three victims are found in the, yeah. in the same area? Right. right. So I, I can see where you're where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that case also went cold, and she was buried next to our John and Jane Doe, where the three victims laid to rest with their killer still at large. So they kind of confirmed that, that they think that it's connected because mm-hmm. of their killer. So. Right. Right. They do, they do think, the investigators at this point do think that the three um, killings are related. Yeah. And, of course, we don't even know if the three are related to each other at right, this point. Absolutely. So that's why, you know, with lack of evidence, they went ahead and just buried the, sec- the, the second, well, third body, rather, found, mm-hmm. and they buried them all right next to each other. Hmm, interesting. Our episode today is sponsored by Hugo Granados. Hugo has been our sponsor since our very first episode, and we truly appreciate the support he continuously gives us. We appreciate the honest feedback you give us through your words of encouragement and motivation. Thank you, Hugo. Rewinding time back to the 1970s, Harold Klaus, a young man from Florida, was really intrigued by the religious movement and would spend time learning about them. Mm-hmm. So we're starting a different story here. Wow. <laughs> right. So we're just rewinding time. So okay. this was back in the 1980s. We're kind of rewinding time uh, to the 1970s. So 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or 10 years before. We're rewinding time. <laughs> Y'all, I am not Google Maps sometimes. Please excuse me. <laughs> so, so 10 years back. Back. We're rewinding time <laughs> to the 1970s. No, you're fine. Um, so like I was saying, Harold Klaus, a young man from Florida, was really intrigued by the religious movement and would spend time learning about them. Um, by the late 70s, Harold became involved in a religious sect where he met Tina. According to Houston Chronicles, Harold became infatuated with Tina, and the two married in June of 1979 after Tina learned that she was pregnant. Okay. So I'm guessing that they're trying to tie the second unidentified body to this particular in- like the situation? I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. I'm sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, what in the world's going on? Okay. No, you're fine. Um, so in 1981, the couple and their one-year-old daughter, Holly Marie Klaus, packed up and made their move to Houston. Keep in mind, they were living in Florida. Okay. Um, so after their daughter turned one years old, mm-hmm. they decided to go ahead and make the move to Houston due to Harold pursuing carpentry work. This sounds awfully familiar. It may be familiar to you. You may have heard about this. I'm not sure. This this particular case sounds really, really familiar, but keep going. I'm listening. Okay. So Harold wrote letters to his family back in Florida once he was settled into his new home in Texas, mm-hmm. but soon after the letters seemed to stop, and so did all forms of communication. So no calls, no letters, no nothing. I mean, obviously there was no, I'm not sure if there was text messages at the time, probably not, but. No, probably um, no. And definitely so. not FaceTime calls, y'all. So, <laughs> so all forms of communication as far as calls and letters stopped. Abruptly. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Harold's mother, Donna Cassandra, and again, if I'm saying these names wrong, I apologize, <laughs> uh, but Donna filed a missing persons report for her son, her daughter-in-law, and her granddaughter. But due to the couple's past history, the police, quotation, excused the disappearance with them leaving with a religious cult, end quotation, according to the mom. 
So, you know, she went to the police and said, hey, my son and my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter are missing. I haven't heard from them in, in so long. They're living in Texas, and we're not sure what's going on with them. I'm just here to file a missing persons report. Right. Well, the police completely disregarded her and kind of, you know, based off the history that the police have had with, with yeah. Harold and, and the family, they just kind of assumed that he probably went to another religious cult like he's been doing mm-hmm. and that that's probably where the entire family is and didn't really do anything about the, the case in general or uh, the whole missing person mm-hmm. report in general. Wow. So Harold was 22 and Tina was barely 18 during the time of their disappearance. Holly, again, was just one years old. Okay. So now I kind of see where, where you're going with this. At first I thought that the situation was kind of tying back to the second Jane Doe found, but mm-hmm. I think you're kind of tying it to the... Okay. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> um, so months later, Donna received a call from unknown people mm-hmm. claiming to have her son's car and said that they would return it to her for $1,000. Just 1000 not ten thousand, not a hundred thousand. I mean, back in those days, though, a thousand dollars just a thousand was a lot of money in the eighties. Maybe no, not eighties, the seventies. Well, eighties yeah. now because okay, that 80s. was like you know he was Harold was kind of you know infatuated with the whole religious movement back in the seventies, and then mm-hmm. nineteen seventy nine he met Tina, and then in nineteen eighty they married, and mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty one you know they they moved from Florida to Texas. Okay, gotcha. Um, so now we're kind of like caught up within time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just for a thousand dollars, you know, the the mom, so uh, Harold's mom Donna received a call, and they were saying that for a thousand dollars they'll return his car. So Harold's mom, keep in mind, she's at this point because the police have already disregarded her. She's not wanting to go back to the police and telling like she doesn't want to tell them that this is the you know call that she got and that these people are asking for this amount of money for the son's car. She knows that they're not going to like do anything, do anything about it. So she's you know really adamant about keeping the police out of the situation at this point. I mean I get it, but I I get it and I don't get it. But you know I can't blame her for that. I don't know right you know what was going on at that time. So yeah, wow. Yeah. So Harold's mom actually paid the money and Mm -hmm. three women identified by Donna to be in their 20s and 30s turned up to her home dressed in robes to return the car. Robes? Robes. Like church robes kind of thing. So this is like a cult. So this is, yeah, like you were saying, a religious cult. This is a cult. Right. And I think that's, I mean, if she did get the police involved... And let's just say that they somehow, like, did kind of sting, a sting operation or something, and they would have seen these women come in to do this. I mean, obviously, they would have arrested these women, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, that would have proved their theory more that, you know, the couple did, you know, kind of go to, like, a religious cult, and that's kind of where they were now. But it is odd that these women just showed up to, you know, this yeah. woman's house or Donna's house to give the car back and ask for a thousand dollars and it's not one woman or two but three women showed up in robes to get this cash and three to return the car women show up in robes now were they like more like nun robes or just i mean like it, the sources didn't speci- this, the sources didn't even specify and i'm honestly assuming that they're church robes just because because of everything having to pertaining to this or just because of everything pertaining to the story like, I just don't see regular robes. It has to be church robes. This definitely sounds um, very dark in a way. I'm sorry. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting a good feeling from this situation. Like, I don't think that this is anything 
positive. Right. Um, not granted, I don't know any really too much anything about cults, but just having three women come up to your house in robes, that doesn't sound like that anything is positive. Right. And I mean, the fact that they even did that is off to me. Yeah, that's very you off. You know, like you had, you could have, the three of them could have been arrested. Like she could have, you know, Donna could have called the cops. And I mean, I don't know if they kind of did any anything to kind of make sure, like or ensure of the three mm-hmm. women's safety before they did all of this. But I mean, to me, that's a big risk. Yeah, coming to the home and absolutely. just to return a car for a thousand dollars to me that's that's odd but so they have the car that's mm-hmm. what i'm really stuck on they have the car um i'm sure you're probably going to get into a little bit more like how they got the car or how they you know obtained the car and whatever mm-hmm. that's interesting well to be honest the cars I mean, there wasn't much related to the car as far as how this car was discovered how the woman got it or anything like that. Really? Yeah, it's not really, there's nothing mentioning the car at all. Uh, but we will kind of get further into the story that'll kind of like shine light as to why the car wasn't really, you know. Okay. Why there wasn't really any light shined on that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> so Donna wanted to speak to Harold, obviously, mm-hmm. but the woman couldn't answer any questions about him or his wife and they just left. So obviously she was like, okay, y'all are here. Here's your money. Thanks for the car. But, like, can you tell me where my son is? Exactly. You have my son's car. Yeah. Why did you have it? What were you doing with it? What? That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> how did they even get the car? Did they find it somewhere? Was it, like, parked on the roadside and some woods in the parking lot? How did you get this car? They didn't answer any of her questions. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I said I don't get a good feeling about this. This is definitely not a positive cult. I feel like I would be beating these three women down. Oh, like, definitely. You are not leaving my house until you answer my damn questions. Like. absolutely <laughs> uh, i don't blame you i, I agree um yeah like i said i called it i don't get any good vibes from this at all um anybody that shows up to my house in in, in robes um granted you know i didn't call for a, a prayer session or anything so that will creep me out yeah exactly i would feel the same exact <laughs> way i probably would have just been like staring at them like completely bewildered at the fact that they're even here mm-hmm. in robes giving me because I wouldn't have even believed that they were going to do this I would have just kind of believed it as or like thought of it as a hoax right you know like it's just kind of to mess with my emotions I didn't think right. that they would actually show up with the car just for a thousand dollars I mean I know crazy. that's probably a lot of money but to me I'm like it can't be worth that much just for you to risk your life right the um, least you can do is give me some answers. Yeah. Even like, if you don't know all of the answers, give me something. Like, I'm still stuck on how in the world did you get my son's car? Yeah. And how did you get my information? Like, girl. Like, they they had to find her some way, somehow, right? Exactly. Like, how did you get, I mean, unless Harold told them. You yeah, know? or that, but I don't, I don't see that. Something's definitely going on here. This is definitely something dark going on here. I agree. So, Shaylin, I am actually looking for a professional and certified makeup artist in the area um, for a wedding I'm going to go to in a few weeks. I actually do know somebody, but she's located in Houston. Is that too far for you to travel? Girl, I will make the drive if she's worth it. Is she worth <laughs> it? Oh, girl, is she? 
Girl, she's definitely worth it. And let me give you her information. So her name is Tia Edwards. Okay. Again, she's located in Houston, Texas. She's a certified makeup artist. Oh, perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Absolutely. You can actually go ahead and follow her on Instagram. I can give you her Instagram name. Let me do that right now. All right. What's her Instagram name? Her Instagram name is everythingbrows underscore beauty. And you can check out her services. And she actually has some really, really good services on there. Oh, I agree. She, wow, her makeup skills are, like, super incredible. Girl, on point. Girl, look at the lashes, the eyebrows. Girl, mm-hmm. you need to go to her now. I, I'm going to call and book an appointment now. Girl, can I ride? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, forwarding to 2011. So, we were first, you know, back in 1982. Then mm-hmm. we kind of rewinded a little bit to the 1970s. Right. And then we kind of told the story to lead back up to the 1980s. And now we're forwarding the story to 2011 so very recent Mm -hmm. not very recent but for us it's more recent than the 1980s yeah yeah. um so forwarding to 2011 the bodies of john and jane doe from the first part of our episode were exhumed to retrieve any viable dna for testing Mm -hmm. now that dna testing had advanced and the criminal database had broadened okay so you know how they were all kind of you know buried Laid to rest, right. Mm -hmm. So they exhumed the first two bodies to see if they can get, you know, any DNA now that, you know, it's been years later. Yeah. And DNA Mm -hmm. has definitely advanced. They want to see if they can kind of gather any DNA and kind of run it in their database to find anything new. Very smart. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So unfortunately, though, there were no leads from the DNA to anyone in the database, and the case still remained cold. So leads as far as there were no, uh, there was no DNA matching or exactly so you know how so just for those listeners who don't know but basically the database that they have are all of known offenders because they've all been arrested at some point in time and their fingerprints are now Mm -hmm. and dna not just fingerprints but fingerprints and dna are now in this database right like codis Mm -hmm. and so they kind of exhumed the bodies to kind of get more dna off the bodies and you know anything like that and then they kind of got the dna and um, compared it to anyone in the system to yeah. see, you know, obviously it's more than likely it probably seems as if this person has killed before or after right. these two uh, murders. And if that's the case, and if they've ever gotten caught for another murder or maybe even petty crimes, mm-hmm. you know, drinking and driving, theft, whatever, um, then the match would kind of come up and say, oh, this is a match to so-and-so. Right. But even when they kind of cross-referenced the, the DNA, nothing came up. Okay. So the perpetrator was never in their database that matched the DNA that was on the bodies. This this is kind of odd though because um so you're looking for the perpetrator but you're not trying to match the DNA to identify the bodies. I'm kind of confused about that. Well, because they're not in the the bodies are I mean they're dead now, right? Yeah, so there's but, no yeah. there's no and back then they probably didn't even have a database and if they did, you know, we don't know if they're in the database right Right. so with that being said they're not like looking at their dna because they have nothing to match it with i mean this is 2011 still we're not we're not at the point where we are too advanced but we're advanced enough to cross-reference dna found with this codis right um and to see if anything kind of matches there but not enough to where we can get our own dna from our own body and match it to see if it like you know matches a family member yet just that's what i'm saying that's kind of odd the way they did that because honestly i I don't know i just feel like the investigators would focus more on identifying the bodies first 
than right. trying to get identify the perpetrator. Yeah. Well, I guess because they were, I mean the case remained cold when they tried to go that route. So because nothing was coming up, they were like, okay, well let's look at it in another perspective and let's kind of see if we can catch the perpetrator, especially now that there's a third body, right? right. So they're like, let's kind of go backwards and see if we can find the perpetrator, and that will lead us to who the the identities are of John and Jane Doe plus the third Jane Doe. But that would kind of be harder to to determine, I guess. That will. I get what you're saying. They they worked backwards because I guess the first time you know they had no luck in identifying the bodies themselves, so they did you know look at it a different perspective. So I get that, but I'm still like, well, because they they've already like kind of exhausted their possibilities as far as trying to find out who the bodies are or who the bodies belong to, right? right? So now that they have a whole system full of criminals that could possibly have something to do with the murders, they would rather focus on that because that's something that could potentially lead to a lead. Yeah, of course. Rather absolutely. I see than, what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't know. It, I think it's just the investigator side of me would try to focus more on identifying the bodies first and then doing that later right because you know at the end of the day they still need their names back it's you know that's the most important factor is um figuring out who these people are first right um but i see what you're saying i see how they you know they're i see why they took their route so yeah it's, it's just different it's right just different it's different for, different, yeah. for sure um so forwarding again to 2014 i know we're jumping around a lot but it'll <laughs> all tie in together guys so forwarding again to 2014, so we were in 2011, mm-hmm. and now we're in 2014, a researcher named Polly Penwell mm-hmm. suggested to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children mm-hmm. to look into a child runaway case in Connecticut from 1982 mm-hmm. because she believed that one of the Jane Doe's from the Harris County murders were to be one of the missing girls from Connecticut named Michelle Garvey. Okay. So the, Polly's basically like an internet sleuth. Yeah. She, you know, I guess she was a crime junkie like us, and she was doing a lot of research on the internet, and she came across, you know, Jane Doe, our second Jane Doe, Mm -hmm. and she knew about um, another case from Connecticut Mm -hmm. of a young girl missing, and she just kind of had this hunch feeling, or maybe she did some investigation and kind of, you know, kind of put two and two together and, and believed that the missing girl from Connecticut is the same Jane Doe from one of the Jane Doe's from, um, what's that city called? Baytown. Baytown. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're focusing on the second Jane Doe. Right, because okay. the third, the, you know, not the third, but the first two, John and Jane Doe, nothing came up. Okay. They exhumed yeah. the bodies, still nothing came up, so at this point the case is still cold. So okay. now they're focusing on the second body. Okay. I see what they're Okay. Um, so the third body was found again in July of 1982. They mm-hmm. also exhumed her for DNA testing mm-hmm. at the request of Polly, and the DNA actually matched to the runaway girl, Michelle Garvey. Wow. Good for you, girl. Yeah. Good Polly, for you, Polly. That You should definitely be an investigator. Cause oh, definitely. I agree. For an internet sleuth, you did phenomenal at even piecing this together because yeah. we don't know if investigators would have ever done this. I wonder how she did it, though. Like, what made her tie these two together? That's really interesting. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look Polly, that up. I mean, Polly, if you're still well alive and, you know, doing well, we would love to hear from you. If oh, you're definitely. Uh, oh because I would love to hear that, too. Like, what made you, what were what were the factors that kind of led you to piece right. that together? Um, because it's really interesting to me as That's well. That's amazing. Right. So, Michelle was said to have been a runaway Mm -hmm. several times during her childhood, and so when she went missing in June of 1982, the police figured that Michelle would just come back home like always, except that she didn't. Michelle was only 14 years old at the time. Wow. So, clearly, you know, with 
the Klaus family and now with Michelle, police in both instances um, were basically not paying attention, not taking, you know, the missing report seriously mm-hmm. on both accounts. Shaylin, do you remember when we talked about genealogy testing during the Amber Hagerman episode and how DNA testing has come such a long way that recently um, authorities are able to test a small sample of DNA and it will lead them to like a genotype of a specific blood group belonging to a particular family? Yes, I remember that. Well, related to this case, in 2021, AudioChuck, which is a media company based in Indianapolis, funded the genealogy research needed to identify our first John and Jane Doe based off the DNA taken in 2011. Now, if you haven't caught on to this yet, AudioChuck is a media company that produces our absolute favorite true kind podcast, other than ours, of course, Crime Junkie. Oh my God. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I did not know that. That's right. Ashley and Britt funded the genealogy research and a DNA match came within 10 days of working on this Girl, case. Girl, 10 days. Yes. Not 10 days. Yes. Girl, I'm trying to get on that level. Girl, we're, we're going to get on that level, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's her, like, that's her, that's her goal is yes. to get on their level. Definitely. Um, But yeah, you heard me right. Only 10 days of working the case, they had a DNA match. I cannot believe that. And uh, Crime Junkie sponsored all of this. I cannot believe that. I cannot stress it enough. I did not hear anything about that. I know, isn't that wow. crazy? Wow, crown junkie, kudos to you. Good job, Ashley and Britt. <laughs> That's amazing. The DNA matched John Doe's DNA to the first cousins of the victim in Kentucky, who in turn led them to, you guessed it, Harold Klaus. <gasps> OMG. Wow. So John Doe is now identified as Harold Klaus. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Now we just need to figure out who that Jane Doe is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that they had that information, the Harris County Institute of Forensic Science tested Jane Doe's DNA to the family of Tina Klaus, and that came back as a match as well. So we have Harold and Tina Klaus. Yep. What? I knew it. I knew they were related. I knew they were related in some way, whether it was um, like Spouses family member or, or yep. intimate. I called it. You did. I knew it. (laughs) Now that the victims have been identified, it is up to the investigators to start a new investigation on what happened to our three victims and what ultimately led to their deaths, as well as who led them to their deaths. Exactly. Now, although the three were identified, one person still remains missing. Are Are you trying to figure out who it is? Their baby. Yes, you're right. The one year old at the time, which is Holly, um, who would be 41 years old today. So we now have Harold Klaus, Tina Klaus, and then of course we had Michelle. Mm -hmm. Garvey. But we still are missing Holly Marie Klaus, which is the one year old. And she's still missing to this day. She's still missing. Her body was never discovered until this day. She has still not been found. Oh my god girls could this case get any more mysterious i know so donna the mother of harold klaus she still remains hopeful to this day that her granddaughter will eventually be found absolutely but nothing has been you know nothing has been brought into this investigation as far as where she could be if she's still alive what happened to her nothing you know what i think i think think? we need to go back to these uh three women in these robes (laughs) Yeah, I agree. <laughs> because they hold the answers that they did not want to speak about. And mm-hmm. I honestly feel like that they had something to do. If they did not actually kill Harold and um, Holly, or Tina, sorry, mm-hmm. Harold and Tina, 
they definitely know what happened and maybe they took holly i agree and that's that's actually what i was thinking right mm-hmm. so for me and again i'm going to ask you the same question but to me i do think that you know um tina and harold were kind of involved in some kind of religious cult yeah and you know i think that it just kind of went in the wrong direction absolutely and maybe they were kind of rebelling against this cult that they had joined and they were starting to like realize that that wasn't something that they wanted to be a part of anymore but they were already too deep inside and so you know the main leader of this cult kind of killed the two of them and of course you know holly's just a baby she's one she doesn't know any better Mm -hmm. so she's still you know alive and they basically took her in as one of theirs i believe that and they just kind of dumped the two bodies in that specific area of baytown right um now as far as michelle i'm not sure kind of what led her there and if that has anything to do with the cult or or what but as far as tina and harold i think that's kind of what happened Mm -hmm. and i still think that i do think that holly's alive but I don't even think Holly knows her own story. Yeah, so she's not. probably like living a life that she doesn't even know. Like she thinks it's her life, but really right. doesn't know. Like ultimately, you know who her parents are and and all of this information. And so she may never know. Yeah, I agree. Okay, now I'm getting a totally different perspective on all three of these uh, individuals. At first, I initially thought that. Um, the first Jane and John Doe and the second Jane Doe were related or connected in some sort of way. Now I'm not sure. Right. I'm not. I, I'm not sure about that now. I agree because I mean, again, we don't have much information on Michelle as far as you know whether she was kind of in a religious cult or not. But I mean, right, yeah. she's 14. Like, yeah. does she even know what a religious cult is? Probably not. So I think like for her running away was more of just trying to get away from the family mm-hmm. and just trying to like, you know, be a rebel. And um, I think she just probably came across the wrong people when right. she was kind of going out on an adventure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, she could have came across the same cult or maybe someone else. Or I'm not sure. But to me, like, it's such a huge area of where bodies can be dumped and so for mm-hmm. it to be for bodies to be jumped dumped in the same area and then not be the same right killer yeah anyway. but you know what another thing is is and again i don't know this was back in the 80s and you know not sure how things worked back then but if the investigators did release the information of where the first two bodies were found right. so of course tina and harold then a killer separate killer you know could have been like, oh, so this is where these bodies were found. Yeah. And then if he was a killer himself, he's like, let me go back to that spot and kind of dump this body that I'm currently, You're right. Um, you know, killing, and dump this third body there since you know the first two were already found there. So it's kind of like giving him answers in a way. Right. If that's what happened. You're right. I like how you thought about that. I like how you took it in that perspective. Yeah. So now that you said that, and now that I'm getting all of the details, I don't think they're connected. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it now. At first, I don't know, I don't know why. At first, I was getting that feeling. I guess it's because of the, you know, the area in which their bodies were found together. It was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the details with Michelle running away, and then you have Harold and Tina, who are involved in this religious cult. I don't see Michelle being a part of that. I don't see Michelle being affiliated with that type of cult. But mm-hmm. you know, with girl, we never know. Honestly, yeah, we never know. But I don't, I don't get the feeling no more. I don't get the feeling that. Um, these uh, particular individuals were connected in any way. I agree. Killings. I agree. I don't know how I feel about that either. I don't know because they're, I mean, different. Again, also remember that Michelle was found sexually assaulted. Yes, yeah, so that's different motive. Right, whereas the first two bodies weren't. 
Um, so a different age range, you know, different circumstances as far as, you know, what caused the murder or what caused the death rather. Um, so I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that the two are related, but it's just so odd that the bodies were all found in the same area. In the area. same area. We need to look up the area. Yeah. Because maybe it's a potential dumping ground. Maybe, but only three were ever found on, on that, in that area. There it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a type of. You know, area where so many bodies were found, and again, I don't girl, even you know never if they know, did. Girl, you mm-hmm. never know. It just depends on how how large the area is, right? So it is something to look into for sure because bodies are not found, you know, in everywhere and right. for a significant amount of time. So you just never know what other bodies may be found in the area or still in that That's area. That's true, especially with religious cults, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I mean. I don't know how religious cults really work either. I don't have much, you know, much insight on that. But mm-hmm. to me, it's like, well, again, this was in the 80s. So I'm thinking, like, I wonder if they still exist. I wonder oh, definitely. They that definitely same, still exist. Well, I mean, like, oh, an, that, particular that particular one. one, right. Because, I mean, times have evolved. And so, yeah. like, there are other religious cults with other, you know, perceptions of how they want to run things and what their versions of religious religion is and what their version of God is and how right. what their version of how to live life is has all evolved, right? Yeah. So I don't know if this particular cult and the way that they believed things, I mean, they could have had children or they could have kidnapped children like Holly. Mm-hmm. And now they have these children believing in the same ways that same ways that they did and now they're the ones that are kind of um running the cult the way that the mm-hmm leaders did back in the 80s yeah so i mean and that is a thing like there are people our age out there who kind of took after their parents or their you know higher ups i guess and now they're kind of representing them as far as what their beliefs were because that's what they grew up believing um but yeah that's it was one insane case Woo, girl i'm still stuck on these women in these robes okay (laughs) i mean they definitely play a big role in it right they definitely do do. i do think that they're part of the cult and i do think that you know i don't know if they kind of came for the money because i don't see why a religious cult would really need a thousand dollars exactly you know so i don't know what the point of that was like was it to kind of I mean, why, why, why do you, they didn't need to do all that. They could have easily just been, you know, quiet and did whatever they need to do with the car. Mm -hmm. They didn't really need the thousand dollars, I'm sure. Um, So what was the point in that? Like there had to be some kind of trigger point that they wanted to create with the mother, Donna. Um, I'm not sure what that is, but I just don't see the point in doing that. There was nothing there for her to gain and for them to gain. So I just don't understand. Like if anything, they put that poor woman in more stress. Right. Sounds like more of a cover up though, Uh, like a story cover up. Um, you know, they knew, that's what I say, that's why I know for a fact that they had to be involved because again, how in the world did you get his car? How did you get Harold's car? Where was Harold's car? How did you find it? I think How did you they, get possession of it? I think they voluntarily went to this cult though, right? Like, yeah. or that not went to this cult, but I think they voluntarily joined, joined yeah, this absolutely. cult. I agree. And then, um, you know, something probably happened, went down, whatever, and they just needed to get rid of whatever evidence that they had and one of those evidence was the was the car but like you could easily get rid of this car you can burn it you can you know have it like sink into a lake somewhere or right. a river whatever like there's other ways to get rid of this car you can just leave it in another parking lot and exactly. just make sure you scrubbed it real clean with no fingerprints like there are tons of things you can do exactly um, to get rid of this car so the fact that you wanted to give it back is just a little odd to me so it's, it's not like a cover-up it sounds right. like a cover-up to you know to keep the story, I guess, 
I don't know where I'm trying to go with that, but I really honestly think that they had a motive, of course, and it was a cover-up. I it agree. It was definitely a cover-up. Um, Jesus, girl. Ah, this case. I know. Cases. <laughs> yeah, these cases that we're doing, we're, Shailen and I are always astonished by the cases that we both do and tell each other, so we really do enjoy that part because we see we hear about these cases all the time, but to kind of hear it in full details from each other is just a different experience, so... Um, but yeah, that's that's the story of um, the Harris County John and Jane does. Girl, uh, I'm gonna be doing some research on this case. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be doing some research, and I definitely, especially, want to find the area that they were found. Um, I definitely want to see if I can come up with see what they were like you know the names of some colds back mm-hmm. in that time so I'm sure I can come up with something yeah well you can be like um Polly here and you can be oh, like yeah, the girl. internet sleuth and and figure out the rest of the story that oh, Polly yeah. wasn't able to oh yeah because yeah I think that those women were involved yeah for sure yeah, they were definitely involved I, I I agree with your theory that they Harold and Tina they joined a cold thinking it was you know something positive they got unfortunately wrapped into some things that they probably were not expecting or you know they did not see coming mm-hmm. and all along this cult may have had a motive to steal the baby right so of course you got to get rid of the parents in order to steal the baby so what other way to i also wonder like if if harold really did get a carpentry job in texas or whether yeah. he they just kind of used that as an excuse or him and his wife tina mm-hmm. that they just use that as an excuse to move to texas for this cult right that's that was never to confirmed about. right because like why up and move just for a carpentry job but we i mean honestly like i say it, but this is back in the 80s yeah so. i mean it, it is possible i'm just saying it could be a possibility that he actually moved for this cult mm-hmm. because again all of this happened really fast right he moved and all of a sudden he disappeared i so. don't honestly don't think that they moved strictly for that cult. i really think that he did move for a job i really think how that long he moved i wonder how long job. it takes to like you know move to a place and get right back into you know cults like how do you find a cult that easily because they're very secretive right mm-hmm. like you don't just meet somebody and you introduce yourself as hi i'm whoever whatever Mm -hmm. and I'm the leader of this cult or I am a member of this cult like you don't just you know broadcast that so for you to have found this cult so instantly like there had to be like you don't just I think they must have known about it for sure maybe they yeah maybe maybe they had some information on it but I don't think that was that was their main reason to move to Texas I don't think that yeah I don't think that this cult was their main reason to get up and move I really think that he had a job just came across and he came across it and he was like you know why not we've you know, apparently they've been in cults before. Yeah, that's um, how they met. Apparently, yeah. was through one. So, yeah, I mean, maybe one of them got caught up in too much than the other, or I don't know what happened, but something clearly happened. Something happened, and um, this cult definitely had a motive, and they did what they had to do as far as getting rid of the parents and stealing Holly. Because I really think this is what they did. They killed Harold and Tina. And they stole the baby because there was no other indication that there were other human remains of, you know, babies or anything like that of young children over there. So, but, you know, it might be interesting to go back and look in that Mm -hmm. area because it could be a possibility that Holly is deceased as well. Anything's possible. maybe anything's possible. That is true. And again, you know, maybe they didn't look, you know, well deep enough, I guess, to see if they found her. But... I don't know something. If it is a cult because she was yeah. so young, I just something tells me that, that she, they just kind yeah. of 
you know, took her and basically kept her as their own. I agree. I think that, but I'm saying it is, it is a it's possibility possible. yeah. for sure. But I, I like, you know, I'm leaning more with you mm-hmm. on that is the cult did um, take Holly. Right. And, you know, basically made her theirs. Um, but a huge shout out to Polly Penwell. Yes, huge um, shout out to you, She girl. is kind of the person who put all of this together, and she's not even an investigator. So when I kind of read this, I was like, wow, go Polly. Yes, <laughs> that was amazing. And especially Crime Junkie. I still, that's I'm still my, in disbelief about that. That's my, <laughs> second, that's my second shout out goes to Crime Junkie. I mean, um, for those of you guys who don't know who Crime Junkie is, they're a great podcast, um, and they're kind of the ones who sparked our interest in true crime podcasts as it is. Yeah. So um, for them to be where they are today and for them to be helping um, cases such as the Harris County John and Jane Doe's, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of help with identifications and things like that, like we, you know, I'm I'm very, like, appreciative of the two of them for yeah. them to kind of help out in that way. So shout out to Polly and Crime Junkie, which yes. is Ashley and Britt. Um, thank you guys so much uh, for you know doing what you guys do, and we hope to one day kind of do the same thing. Yeah. And um, well, we're doing it. We're yeah, doing we're, it. <laughs> we're we're starting with you know getting yeah. the word out there, and right. now Crime Junkie, you know they're so big, and mm-hmm. so they've already gotten so many listeners' attention. So now they're at the spot where they can actually start providing to like, find yeah. answers to these cases that are unsolved. And so that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we're trying to do, too. We're going to so. get there. we got to have I, some faith, girl. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the case of the Harris County John and Jane Doe's. So please keep supporting us. Tell your friends and share and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And please subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or Stitcher. This will qualify you for a shout-out, so please go and do this right now. Right now. (laughs) When you subscribe and follow, you'll get an immediate notification of our latest episode release. So if you're listening to us on Spotify and or YouTube, you can click on the follow button on the top left corner right below our default photo and then click on the bell icon next to the follow button and that will turn on notifications. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, there is a follow button right by our default picture as well. So you can just click on that and that will start giving you notifications to our recent episode release as well. And lastly, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can just click on that top right plus sign symbol to start following us and also getting an immediate notification of our episode releases. So thank you guys so much for listening and for all of your support. We couldn't do this without you guys. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And stay tuned for the next episode. See you next week. See ya. Goodbye. Bye.